gotta come back with me. Where? Back to the future. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. This podcast is about mental health and men's mental health in sport. Could you give us an idea as to why you agreed to do an interview for us? Um, I've done, I've done, obviously done a few of these over the years and stuff like that and, and been very public and speaking out about the mental health issues that I've I've faced over the years and the, the kind of things I've been through. And, um, and I, just, I just think that it helps people like... If nobody's willing to talk about it, then it's all, there's always going to be that thing about it where people are going to be scared to, to try and seek help or, or think that they're the only ones out there that um, that are dealing with these kind of problems, which is obviously not the case. So I feel that the more I speak about it and the more I'm open about it and I, I don't shy away from it, um, it gives people a wee bit of, kind of courage to maybe come forward or go and speak to somebody for the first time. Um and basically, that's that's the kind of reason I do it and speak about it because I want to help other people. If somebody's been in, in a situation um, like I've been in, uh, well, obviously, I don't. I would hate to think I'm going through that kind of stuff. So, if me just speaking about this and being honest helps one person, can it? Then I, I feel I've done my job. Could you sort of give us a little bit of a little bit of a talk through you of your sort of early life? Um, aye. So the, the stuff I kind of spoke about. Um, and, and the other uh, interviews was just a few weeks ago and that's probably the first time I've actually spoke about it and went back to that kind of time and, and tried to give a idea of where my problems might have started and I'm not saying that's the, the whole problem, do you know what I mean? But um, when I was young and stuff, I, I've got, I had two brothers and a sister, a younger brother, an older brother and an older sister. My older sister, my older brother were... Um, they had a different dad to me, so obviously when my mum met my dad, uh, they two were already there, and um, then my mum had obviously me and my wee brother, so my dad was the kind of, your typical, like your hard man's type of guy, or at least like the think he was, um, and he just kind of grew up that way, do you know what I mean? So that was the way he wanted his boys to be, um, and then because of that kind of stuff, it was... I only found this out maybe the past four or five years, but it just it, it would do things like it would make me and my brother just stand and fight each other, and, um, to the point where obviously somebody would win, it would always end up in tears, I'd always end up beating up my wee brother and stuff like that. And just over the years, I think it just back the way my dad kind of was towards me, and he was always dead angry, and he was always like swearing and stuff like that, and. 
just kind of flying off the handle dead easy. So that was kind of what me and my brother grew up with and, and what we knew. So we just thought it was normal to us, do you know what I mean? Um, so that was kind of the way we acted. Um, and obviously, with the whole fighting thing, and when we were younger, we were only like four, five, six and stuff like that. So it was a bit of a shock to us. But obviously not known at the time, do you know what I mean? Because my mum was dead quiet and stuff, whereas my dad was dead, as I say, dead loud. And um, he wouldn't take any kind of crap off him or anything like that. So when we were younger, it was always like, oh, you don't let him to give any shit and stuff. And um, that's just the way it was. But I think obviously as I've got older, I've, I've just had this what, insane amount of aggression and anger and always just the way I dealt with things was it was like fight or flight so it was always fight for me so I would always I'd always become angry or face things head on but maybe not in the right way do you know what I mean I'd get I'd get upset about things and I'd lash out about things and I would wreck things around about the house I'd be punching doors and punching walls if I because if, I never knew any other way to deal with it do you know what I mean it was just always anger um, and then I think as that got older that's how it, it kind of progressed into the self-harming and stuff like that and um because when I'd done things like that, I hated myself for it. But at that moment in time, it was just like red mist, do you know what I mean? And I never really knew much about it. Or, uh, and then you kind of sit back afterwards and you're like, you feel bad for what you've done or what you might have said. Or obviously, if you're, if you're, you're hurting yourself and things like that. So, um, and I, I never had a bad um, upbringing uh, in terms of I never wanted for anything, do you know what I mean? We were never poor. We were never, like, I got everything I wanted. My dad took, like, and I don't mean to paint my dad in such a bad picture, like, um, because I love my dad and, and I know he loved us and stuff like that, but uh, maybe just the way he went about things. But he took me ev- everywhere for football, like everything he bought me, everything I needed, so did my mum and stuff like that. They went to every game, they never, they never missed any, do you know what I mean? So they were always there for me and they always gave, gave me what I needed. Maybe just the way he dealt with things and the way he kind of brought us up and or tried to get us to... Um, act was wrong and, and it's it's had an impact on me and later in life because I've never knew how to deal with emotions, do you know what I mean? So uh, I think that's where some of my problems have stemmed from. Do you think it almost um, like normalised like aggression and violence as like a response to things? Yeah, definitely. That's because that's what, the first thing I would do, do you know what I mean? Even being younger and stuff, I, I'm all, I've, if I've been young, I've been just like, dead energetic and stuff so I was always in the go and I'm just always one of these guys that's in about everything and um, always want to be not a class clown, but maybe being the centre of attention at school and stuff like that, but just doing silly things. And as I got older, if I get told off for it, I, I just never knew, how to, I never knew how to take a telling, do you know what I mean? Um, so I would always react with anger. And it would be the same way else, do you know what I mean? If You know, it's like in school, there's, you go to school and I, I, in first year, I kind of get bullied a wee bit. Um, for a couple of guys, and then just kind of for then, I just get involved in a lot of fights at school and stuff like that. And as I got older, I just kind of always say to myself, I'm never going to, not going to let people do that. But um, I probably took that on in a different kind of way, and I was just too aggressive and dead, dead angry with everybody and, and stuff like that. But I, that would always be my first thought would be, would be just to fight. And what was it like then, you know, as a young lad coming through and then a uh you know, in a football environment? It was good. It was good. It was... Obviously, we, like, I think things have, have changed nowadays, the way the way clubs are running stuff. And I, I just think that a lot of young boys don't really get a chance to just enjoy football and that now. But when I was younger, I, I really enjoyed it. Do you know what I mean? 
Um, I, I, I played with Livingston for a year when I was 12 or 13. Um, and that was the first ever kind of really serious club that I'd been at. And then from there, that's when Colmarnock had signed me. But I loved it. And it was, it was always good when you went to school and stuff like that. And people were like, oh, he plays for this team and, or that team. And like, some of the boys now would look up to you because they knew you were like one of the better footballers in school and stuff like that. And it was just, it was, it was good to be about you. You're doing what every, every young boy kind of wants to do. Um, but obviously, as you go, you go professional and stuff like that, things start to change because it becomes about you really are fighting for places and, and it's not just about fun anymore. You're getting paid. You're, you're, you're playing, playing to get paid. So it's like a job just like anything else. Coming into a, a, you know, an adult dressing room, you know, as a teenager, it, it can be quite a difficult environment, can't it? Aye, as it's... Um, but the good thing is, though, that when I was... When I, when I signed, I was even before I signed full time. I was fifteen and I was playing in the reserves, um, and was doing great for them, scoring goals and stuff like that. And, and bearing in mind, I was just I was a really like I was quite a small guy, do you know what I mean? But I like to put myself about and stuff like that. So I, I never shied away from um, being around bigger players or, or the fact that they were um, they were professional and and been doing it for years. So I, I love that kind of stuff. And then obviously when we went to training. We would always train next to the first team, and some of the boys would get called up to go and train if there was bodies missing and things like that. So, by the time I'd made my my debut, I'd actually, I'd actually been released um, at the end of our second year contract for for nineteen. So, signed for not signed for two years, or a year when I'm sixteen, and then it was two years after that, or, or the other way about. And anyway, it came to the end of it, and and the boys get pulled in and stuff like that. And, and I was always. One of the boys that was getting up and training with the first team and playing with the first team, but more than any of the rest of them. So when we get pulled in, it went kind of one by one, um, and I get told that they want to keep me and stuff. I was absolutely gutted because I thought, well, I, I just don't get it because I was play. I, I was the one that was maybe called up before them. Else, do you know what I mean? Um, but anyway, that's what it was. And I think we maybe had about two or three months left our contract, and obviously they were trying to give us time for the boys to obviously find other clubs and stuff like that so when they told us but we started to come in and train and I just kept coming in and I was still coming in and having to train with the first team but I just went about my business as normal I never kind of let it get me down in fact I probably worked a lot harder um, and then they kind of come up to me it was Jim Jeffries and Billy Brown they spoke to me at the end of training one day and they're like come here and they're like, we've, we've been watching you the past few days and stuff like that and we've changed our mind we want to offer you a contract um, and it'll just it'll only be six months though just to see how you go and I'm like he's like what do you think and I'm like uh, I was like can I speak to my dad about it and he's like ah, well you better hurry up because it'll not be on the table at the end of the day so I was like alright now fine fine and just being a young boy I was obviously nervous then do you know what I mean um, but no I, I, I did obviously find it intimidating but when I made when I made my debut um, it was at Hearts so I think I come on for the last 15, 10, 15 minutes or something like that. We were winning 2 0. Um, and it was good because my, my uncle was, um, he's a massive Hearts fan. So he, he was at all the games and stuff. I mean, I told him I was, I was in the squad for it. He's like, oh, brilliant, I'll be going, pal, and stuff. And uh, obviously, I got, I got my chance and, and made my debut and stuff. I mean, I spoke to him after it. Like, and I spoke to my mum after he's like, I've just been on the phone with your uncle. And he was, he was 
he was only half fan, like standing applauding when you come on and stuff like that. And he, he says that he was actually crying and things like that as well. So it was really good. And I came out after it, I was absolutely buzzing. Um, just phoning all my mates now. I was like, I made my debut today. And but when you go on, you don't, you you don't. It's like it's just a blur. You don't remember any. Um, and it's all so fast paced and stuff like that. So in terms of that, it's, it was obviously it's a different level for for what you were playing at, but. Again, you would just get used to that with, with playing in it um, more. But um, no, nah, it was amazing, and I, I just loved, I loved being about the first team and, and getting stuck in and stuff like that. And that's just always the, the kind of person I've been, and always, and always will be. Do you know what I mean? I, I never kind of shy away from just because they're bigger and better players or something like that. But I just go and do what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. It's a. Uh... It's it's one of those, isn't it, where it, it's you got to get stuck in, haven't you, right away? Otherwise, you'll get eaten alive, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I had a few, I had a few run-ins with some some of the first team players and stuff, like that, and, and I think that that's probably again that comes back to my anger and stuff like that. And I would always back chat because I thought I was right, and I wasn't. Do you know what I mean? But um, or if I thought I was right, I would. I'd never, I'd never kind of step back. I'd always argue my case. So. I found myself in a few situations with, with first-team players and stuff like that. And I think, ultimately, that's probably what led to me not getting a contract. Um, was my attitude. Not, I wouldn't say my attitude towards football because my attitude towards football was spot on. It was just the way that I reacted to things. Whereas, when I look back now, I should just shut my mouth and go on with it and do, done it as I was told. You know what I mean? The manager that I had is old school. Um, so, you're not going to get away with any of that kind of stuff. Um, and I, I think ultimately that that's probably the reason why I've not played at a higher level um, for a longer period of time um, in my career. And I can take that in the chin because it was never it was never something that obviously as a young boy I could I could have thought I'd step back and, and thought about. It, do you know what I mean? I've only learned that over um, a number of years. Obviously dealing with mental health stuff. And how it all goes back, and, and how it could possibly all link in. So, I just, I was never brought up bad, but my dad was just a bit of a, a, a headcase sometimes. You know what I mean? If if I got in the ring side, him, he'd be chasing me about the house with a hammer, or at the back with a brick, or throwing bottles at me, or, or whatever. Um, Definitely a character, then, yeah. <laughs> aye, so, and that's just, and that's just thing. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't speak to my dad anymore. Um, do you not? No, I don't. And it's just because my dad's dead. My dad's dead stubborn in terms of um, what he says is right and what he says goes. Can I hang? Yeah. Obviously, the older, the older I got and stuff like that, and the more I challenged it, I'm just. And since I met my wife, obviously, like five years ago, that things just started to. I started to see things a bit differently, and I just removed myself. Eh? There's been yeah. a lot of bother, like obviously with him, and I've got a wee girl with somebody else, and that, and. Um, just when it came to things like that, he was never really on my side and things. Like, so I just found it very difficult, and it was for me. It was time to just go and you know what, I don't need that in my life. So it's not yeah. it's not making me any better or making me any better a person. So so can I just fast forward to when you were in your mid twenties? Yep. What was well, you could describe it better, but what was that period of life like? I know it was quite traumatic for you, but what actually was happening at that time? Um, well, when I was 20, I'd had my, my wee girl that I just mentioned there, um, to my ex and, excuse me, and, um, things were fine for, 
I don't know, but a year, and then we split up. And I'd just obviously been released for Kilmarnock. Uh, so I was trying to find a job and not knowing any different other than playing football. Do you know what I mean? I never really had any life experience outside of yeah. football. Yeah. I, left school, I left school with standard grades. Um, and as I say, I just never really had any life experience in that. I was never, never knew anything about getting into any jobs or how to go about it. So yeah, I, I, I really struggled. the opportunities, did you? No, so I struggled with that and um, obviously trying to get money in with obviously a new baby being there and things like that. Uh, so I, I probably get involved in a bit of stuff that I, I might, that I shouldn't have, do you know what I mean? But um, I just things just started to kind of go for there. And then when I split up with, I split up with um, my wee girl's mum, it was just uh, like, to be honest, since then, and that's 10 years ago, my life has just been made absolute hell, um, in one way or another. And it just never goes away, and it's and, I, and I'm not obviously I've got my own, I've got my own problems outside of that. But I think like just just during that period, um, Holly's mum was just, just horrible. When we'd have done anything to to see me fail or um, whatever, and it was just a lot. It was. It was hard not getting to see my daughter sometimes, getting to see her and then I'd be in different relationships and my ex trying to break it up and things like that. And it was just never, it was just constant, do you know what I mean? So all yeah. that kind of stuff got me down. Um, <clears throat> and then, as I say, just maybe getting involved in stuff and hanging about with the wrong folk um, back then. And I think that there was obviously a number of times that I that just had enough and uh, I tried to take my life. So, aye, there's been a number of occasions where I've, where I've, where I've maybe took an overdose or I've slipped my wrists or um, tried to hang myself and, and stuff like that. And then the, probably the most serious kind of case was about five years ago when I, I, I slipped my throat. So that was that was that was the worst. That was the worst kind of point. I think as I grew up and stuff, like that, I started self harming probably when I was about fifteen, and it just it was it was just like kind of superficial kind of cuts and stuff like that. It just it released my anger at the time and yeah. um, made me feel better. Did it work at the time? Did it, you feel a release? I, you felt a release for a bit and then you would just calm down, but then you would look at yourself and you would be like, what have I just done? Right. So, I mean, you're covered in these scars up and down your arm and my wrists are all tanned to bits. Um, and then doing things like obviously taking overdose and um, my mum... My mum had found me twice. Uh, so that was kind of, I think one time, I'd, I'd, one night, I'd, so my mum was going to work and she came in just to check on me because obviously I wasn't feeling great and stuff like that. And then I thought she was away. So I'd end up, I, I think I took 72 tablets or something, paracetamol and cocodamol, I think it was. So, And then later I found out that's probably one of, like, one of the worst kind of combinations or, or at least one of them was one of the worst you could take. Yeah, um, and then my mum just kind of double again double checked before she left, and um, she just came in and says, "Obviously, my, my lips were blue and stuff like that." And I was, I just, I was just in a bit of a daze. Um, so I spent four days in the hospital with that, and I when I dripping things to try and um, I think I did to get like a charcoal drink as well to try and make me be sick yeah. and spew up. Um, and then I kind of got a wee bit of fright when the doctor came round and he's like, look, um, just like, how are you, first and foremost? And 
and just kind of speaking to me about my mental health and that, and he was just saying, look, pal, like, this isn't the way you want to kind of end things. And like, if, if things went like, worse, like they could have, he's like, I had a friend who'd done this and died the most horrific and painful death ever, just because everything just starts to shut down from the inside. So yeah. I, got a bit, I got a bit of a fright for, with that. Um, but again, it's just... I suppose it doesn't really matter sometimes when, when you do things and, and you know the consequences yet because you can come back out and, and when you get to that point where you feel so low and you're in such a dark place that, that you forget about everything, you forget about what you've done before, you forget about your family, you forget about your daughter, it just makes yeah. the pain go away. So yeah, that's how you end up doing stuff again. But You know, looking back now, was it a cry for help or did you genuinely, you had enough? I'd probably say there's been a number of them that like so like I've got big scars on the top of my arm and things like that where I've I've just took a knife and pure frustration and and cut myself like so deep that it's went through my muscle and things like that that mm-hmm. that's probably that was that was probably a cry for help, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um but then obviously as I got over take taking over those, if I took that and my mum went to work, there might be a good chance that uh, I wouldn't have made that, do you know what I mean? So, um, there's been a few occasions where, it, where I've, I've meant to obviously do something and go through it. So, um, I some, sometimes I cry for help, but then obviously, as things get worse and you feel like you can't take things anymore, then it becomes a, a, an actual, a serious attempt, especially the one way where I cut my throat. Um, and that was just, that was, that was crazy. Like, to think back in it and that you could just pick up a knife and yeah. literally, literally run it from one side to the other and open your I mean, neck wide open. Like, I'm I'm interested to know, obviously I don't want to, like, cause you any further distress you've been nah, through. No, listen, I can speak about any, and I, I don't mind speaking about it because sometimes that people just think that depression and, and, and poor mental health stuff just about, they think that it is a cry for help and they think that, people are selfish and they, they do these things to just well, because they're selfish and things like that but I've genuinely tried to take my life and it never worked do you know what I mean so yeah. it's not it wasn't a cry for help and it wasn't a, or you hear people saying that's just a coward's way I can tell you for sure that there's not many people that would take a knife and no or, or the guts that it takes for somebody to put a rope around their neck absolutely and, absolutely and, and I think it. it's so I mean, I've I've heard I've spoken a lot with people who have you know attempted suicide, and um, I run a men's mental health organisation. And oof, what you're saying now, it's kind of rendering me a bit speechless. You know how much you must have been. I'm trying to sort of fathom out the feelings that you were going through. Did, was the feelings was there intense feelings or was it different each time or was there no feelings or I think, you... I think you're just totally numb right. like there's just nothing it doesn't I used to wake up there was a period of time I would wake up and the first thing that would come into my head was like how could I kill myself and how how could I do it so it would be quick so it would be painless so that um I wouldn't make I'm messing myself, if you know what I mean. Like, so if somebody had to find me, yeah, it would just look like a normal person. Do you know what I mean? That, that was the kind of things that went through your head. So, like, if you jumped off a bridge or something, like that and it's not going to be a very nice sight for somebody to see 
when you're found or whatever else, or if if your family had to come and wreck it, like whatever, do you think things going to go through your head? Like, yeah, so you didn't stress anyone who found. Aye, you. but I just I just wanted the pain to stop, and I just I, I wanted it to end. So I, I used to wake up, and that would be the first thought in my head, and we just it would go for that time in the morning just to. I went back to bed at night, do you know what I mean? And it was horrendous, like... What was the thing that stopped that or helped you get away from that? There must have been surely an experience or a person in your life where things seemed a little bit more like there was a different way out. I think since um, I met my wife, um, things have changed massively for me in terms of the way I think about things, and um, I actually done that that to my throat, right in front of her, like mm-hmm. right right in front of her. So she was like watching me. Do you know what I mean? So, and then I've I've, I've sat back and I've thought about what it's maybe done to her, um, and she's been good in terms of she's a social worker, so she works with children and families and things like that. So she'll see a lot of the stuff that I talk about day to day. Trying to protect kids from things like that, or yeah, whatever. So she's got a good bit of understanding and how we maybe deal with people um, who is suffering uh, with mental health issues. Whereas before, I was, I was, I went, I met another girl obviously after um, I left, or I split up for my wee girl's mum, and I was with her for about three or four years, and. It was just if I ever spoke about my, my mental health stuff for them, like or she was, it was though she just didn't know what I know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the day that I broke up with her was the or the day that she broke up with me. Sorry, was the day that I done my very first story in the paper. Oh, um, right. <laughs> she texted me and she called me. Um, she basically just says you're an attention seeking bastard. That was oh. and basically it was over. So. Aye, it's just, I think, certain relationships have been in have not helped the way I've felt. Things I've done in relationships have not helped the way I am. Um, and I don't ever pretend to be perfect. And I'll hold my hands up now and kind of say, obviously, things I've done is, sometimes I'm my own worst enemy, but there's there's a lot more behind it um, than, than just that. Do you know what I mean? A lot of, yeah. people, say, a lot of people say to me, ah, you, um, you cause your own problems and stuff like that, but but I, since I've met my wife, she's been absolutely brilliant with me. And even the things like see with my daughter now. Um, since I obviously since I met Nicola, that's my wife. Uh, she she stepped in a bit and and done a lot of the contact stuff, so I didn't have to get involved with with Holly's mum because it just always ended up in an argument. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so she was really good like that, and then things again just turned nasty on the other side towards my wife. So. The twos have been through a lot with that situation as well. Um, but she's always been great with me and always managed to... Uh, sorry, I was talking about my, uh, my daughter there. She's, she's been night and day, night and day um, for me and my daughter. Because um, yeah. when, I, when, I when I was obviously in that last relationship I was talking about, when I was getting my daughter and things like that, I couldn't cope. But I, I was getting her. I'd not, maybe not seen her for weeks and weeks at a time and then I was getting her. And I was just a young boy. I was staying at my mum's at the time, and I would just always end up getting my mum to watch and stuff like that. And when I look kind of back, I'm like, I, I was a shit dad, and I just, I just never knew how to deal with 
stuff in yeah. it. I was, it just really, really stressed me out. Um, it's a difficult role to play, isn't it? And if you've not particularly had the best role model, then you're kind yeah. of winging it, aren't you? So. Yeah, but since I've met my wife, she's been brilliant for like both me and my daughter in terms of the way I the way I react to them and the things that I need to do, like whether it be through contact and stuff like that. Like she'll she'll do all that stuff for me because she's got the know how. She she knows what she's talking about. Whereas yeah, it, it's easy for me just to hold my hands up and go, oh, do you know? But I'm walking away because I can't do anything with it. Yeah. Whereas absolutely. she's whereas she she's there for me and. Um, and again, obviously, we we've got a, a a wee girl who's nearly two this year, um, and she's been since she's been here. I've just get it's just something totally different. To I, I'm now getting a chance to be a dad, like be a dad, yeah, and, and, and grow up with doing the things that I should have been doing with my other daughter and things like that. And, that, and that's that's probably some of the the most important stuff that's made me feel the way I've been feeling and put me through some of the. the the stuff that I've been through is not being able to have that, and it's t- it's taken me nearly ten years, and I'm just getting through the start of finally trying to resolve things through court and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? But ten years it's took me, so and and she's held the cards the whole time. Um, so I think the way she's been's got a massive um, part to play, and obviously the way I feel. But but just get, going back slightly to, I just wanted to touch upon. Um, the mental health services, you know, when you tried to access care when you needed it. I know you've spoken before about the waiting times. Did you? What was your first experience with trying to engage with them? Um, I, I, I went and seen the doctor when I was, if I'd be lying if I tried to tell you the age actually, but I was quite young anyway. So, went and seen the doctor. They tried to put me on tablets and I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm not doing that. Do you know what I mean? I'm no... I don't want to depend on something to make me feel better. I, if I want to do it, I try and do it myself. But obviously, the further I go on, like, I'm, I'm taking stuff like that now. So it does help and it can help people. But back then, <clears throat> I didn't know what to do it. So they were trying to get me um see a CPN, a community psychiatric nurse, um, just at the, the health centre and things like that. But I think, um, I don't know, I just never clicked with the people. And I just felt like when I went in and seen these um, nurses that I was just like, just another number of them, do you know what I mean? It was as though they were wanting me to go in and and you just went in and just says how you were feeling and they just la- listened and then that was it, do you know what I mean? There was no, there was no really much feedback from, yeah. from them um, and things like that. So I found it really hard and then ultimately I just ended up disengaging for it and um, that happened a few times until... Um, I've spoke to a couple of people at clubs and club chaplains and things like that and who are really good, um, obviously, at the time when I was at the club. Um, but then I went through a period where I, I'd signed for somebody and uh, I signed for Alawa and uh, I was buzzing because it was like this ex-international player, Celtic player, Hearts player, and that, that was a manager and the fact that he wanted me, I was like, oh, this is brilliant, you know what I mean? That they'd just been promoted um, for the league that we were in, um, so and he wanted to sign me. Obviously, we seen me playing, they seen me playing against him. So <clears throat> went and signed there, was loving it, but I was going through a really, really tough time. Um, and I, that was one of the times when I'd been kind of saying like I was waking up every day and wondering how I could end my life. Um, and to cut a long story short, I was uh, cut a long story short. I was basically 
release for that club because of my mental health problems. But that's where I find myself quite lucky in, in the fact that I play football and we get access to things like that like almost instantly. So and I can, in a way, there's like when I speak about these kinds, of I feel a bit bad because I, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. Do you know what I mean? That I can mm-hmm. access this stuff so freely and so quickly, um, just because I play football and because it's through, it's, it's done through that. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, I know every workplace is the same. Um, but to give you an example, obviously the, the stuff with the NHS, and, and I'm not, I'm not. I'm not having a dig at the NHS or whatever else because um, they're great, do you know what I mean? But it's just the the whole thing when I went to the hospital with, with my throat, um, like I was, my, my wife was pulled to the side, told like, we don't know if he'll make it, he's like millimetres away if he's main artery, um, or his jugular vein, sorry. Um, so I end up getting stitched inside and outside and then I get transferred to a different hospital where I was put in an ENT ward. So I wasn't, putting, I wasn't even putting in a mental health ward, I was putting in an ENT ward because I had an injury an injury to my throat. Um no nobody came and spoke to me about my about it for two days. So I was put in this ENT ward, I was allowed access to shower myself given my history of like when I've tried to hang myself. I was given right. my tablet. I was given my tablets to take myself. Oh god! Given, 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 given my history, obviously my overdoses, and so you were just literally being treated like a patient who'd gone in for. I like a I, 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 definitely. Yeah. So, and I was left with my cutlery. Do you know what I mean? Um, after all the kind of stuff that myself, Alan, and whatever else. So, but for me, I never thought about anything. I, I was that's not what was going through my head. So, when my wife came to hospital. Or came in the next day, he could obviously come and visit me. She's like, what's going on here? Do you know what I mean? And, um, and she had a word with the, with the nurses and stuff like that. And they were like, oh, we didn't know what he was in for. Um, and then eventually, like, I think I was in there for three or four days. Uh, and eventually somebody came in to speak to me. And we got one of the, the nurses and the um, psychiatric nurses. And she's like, right, David, um, come through. And this was just before I was getting discharged. So I've stood up and kind of went to walk through and my wife's walked with me and um, she's like, oh, no, 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 just him. And she's like, what, what do you mean? She's like, well, just him. She's like, oh, I'm coming. Um, and eventually we went into the room and sat down and stuff like that. So right, for a, right off the bat, it's it's awkward um, because she didn't want, obviously, my wife there. But what my yeah. wife was trying to explain to her was that, like, he's literally just tried to take his life. He's hardly speaking to him at the moment. He's not going to tell you half of the stuff that you need to know or, no. do you know what I mean so it's better me being here knowing the full story telling you the things um, that's went on and how he's been feeling and what he's been saying to me um, so I was getting asked questions and stuff and I was just sitting there and like I was nearly like, giving much away I never even lifted my head to be fair and then so my wife was kind of just like speaking in for me and just saying I would maybe answer a few kind of like, words or something and then she would finish the rest because I was just the way I was feeling and eventually the nurse just picked up her books and she went, right, we're just going to have to stop this here and put her uh, stuff on the table. And she's like, this isn't working. And walked out the room. Um, came back 15 minutes later. And we were kind of like, what the, what the hell? Do you know what I mean? 
and it was all because she wanted to hear it from me and not from my wife. Um, right. But eventually she came back in and she'd obviously had a wee talk with all the nurses and stuff outside because everybody was walking past and looking in the window and whatever else. Um, so she's came back in and she's like, right, sorry about that, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then eventually, like, here's a card. If you feel like anything in the meantime, like, you're uh, harming yourself for that, then give us a wee number of call, but you'll be, we're, we're setting an appointment, you'll be seen within 16, 18 weeks. And I'm like, at 16, oh, 18 weeks? That's months away. I've literally just tried to cut my throat open and yeah. you're, you're telling me just to go home, there's a card, if you need to speak to MD, but you'll be seen in 16, 18 weeks. And I, I can understand why people disengage for, it, for things like this and, they, and people leave hospital and go straight away and go through with what they were meant to go through with the night before. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's why I find myself lucky and I feel bad for it sometimes because I know there's people out there that's not getting the opportunities that I've had um, that's not been able to speak to people and had to wait this line for time and ultimately they've ended their life because it's been too long. People have no idea what it, like what it's like to live with their thoughts for a day, never mind 16, 18 weeks. For me, I just I just felt like I'd been let down that kind of day. And Is that why you decided to speak out? Because, you know, you thought that people need to know that these things are happening and, you know, the landscape of that? I, no, definitely. And I think that obviously after that had happened, Every day the, the football knew about it and, and my manager and the assistant manager and that were brilliant. They, they'd done so much for me and I had time for football and the club were great with me. And then the players' union get involved and stuff. They'd been involved before that. Um, but then I started to see properly people properly through them. And I think that's when things started to get a bit better for me um, because I was doing it more consistently and I was falling through stuff even when I couldn't be bothered. Um, but as I say, I've done a number of these kind of interviews on the news and whatever else. And I just, if anybody ever asked me to do it, do you know what I mean? I'll do it because it, I'm hoping that it helps somebody else just hearing my story. Again, there's, there's things where you hear people saying, like, Have you, there's people that are worse off than you, or your life's not that bad. Look at this kind of person. But what I always try and say to people is that it doesn't matter what's going on in anybody else's life. See if somebody's feeling down, they're in a dark place. That's the worst they've ever known. So see, trying to compare different things to them, it doesn't matter because it's not going to make them feel any better. No. It's going to make it's going to make them feel worse because it's going to make you, them feel like people don't care. And as I say, everybody's case is different, but it's but it's kind of unique to them. It's not it's not any better or worse than than what somebody else is feeling and and how low they're feeling. So that's why I always kind of try and say to people like if somebody's coming to you with a problem and they're saying they're feeling down like take it seriously because it could be the start of something a lot worse did did you say when you were at the football club that they were quite good themselves but then was there a some kind of like abuse you received from the fans when you were playing I th- after i'd done my, my first story in, in the paper that was what 2015 or whatever it was um i was playing with peterhead at the time and maybe a couple of weeks or whatever down the line we had a game we were playing it still in Albion <clears throat> 10 minutes to go I get subbed come off um, and I was just standing at the dugouts and 
one of the I'll stand the rest of the boys are all standing up watching the last ten minutes and there were shouts for the for the um for the stands, um for the, the away players or the away the away fans, sorry. And it was in this hospitality but I never heard exactly what it was said, but I could hear all the players turning around and saying, Are you fucking kidding me on? Like and I was like, oh, what was it? And they were like, never mind, never mind. So then I knew straight away it was about me. Right. Um, so I was like, no, just tell me. And I was starting to get a bit a bit tetchy and, and stuff like that. So he's like, he's just shouted, I go and, go and hang yourself and fucking do it right this time. And I was just after, <laughs> that was that was weeks after me saying that I tried to hang myself in the paper. So obviously me being the, the way I was and stuff like that, like I eventually picked out the guy. And as soon as the final whistle went, I was right in the stand. But the ho- the whole team was in after me. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I never went up, and I never started. I just was like, to him, I was like, like, I walked up and I walked in towards him, and I was like, what, what, what are you playing at? I was like, if you've got something to say, like say it to me. Don't shout things like that. I was like, I just and then it just eventually I get pulled out and stuff from whatever else. But um, we'd made a complaint about it and that. And then ever since there's been there's been a few occasions where I've I've heard stuff off a. Of, Rival fans and players, um. Yes. So, and again, that was that was probably what got me. Like, last last year, I was kind of um, struggling with the idea of whether they just chuck it or not. Because see, when I'm not at football, when I'm not at football, I don't hear any of that stuff. I don't. Yeah. I don't walk down the street and somebody shouts something to me because I'm not. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm an easy target for people. At, um the lower leagues in Scotland because it's it's so small that you know all the players and the, the clubs are so small you, like they're much smaller fan bases than everywhere else so you hear everything that's shouted in the crowd do you know what I mean so it, it becomes hard then but I was I was kind of saying to myself like at what point do I call it a day because if I'm hearing that like if somebody says that to me out in the street or him doing it in the street for whatever matter of the things they do shout at football they would get they would get chin for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They, they, they wouldn't do it, do you know what I mean? So, I'm having to walk off the park and listen to their stuff and they're standing two and three feet away from me and I'm just like, well, I'm either going to walk off the park and I'm going to jump out of the, into the seats and end up lamping somebody and then who's going to be the bad one for it? Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Who's going yeah. who, to get punished for it? It's going to be me. So, again, it comes back to the whole thing where I was talking about my dad. Like, I'll just take myself out of the situation and I don't need to worry about it. Um and don't get me wrong, like when I play, I'm rough, I get stuck in. I can I can be a horrible player, like on the on the park. I, just the way I, I get stuck into tackles and I'm so aggressive with people and stuff like that. But it's not and people just think, oh, because I'm covered in tattoos and things like oh, he's a wee Ned and he's this and he's that and blah blah blah. And they don't know the first thing about me, do you know what I mean? Because a nicer person you wouldn't be outside the football, I'll speak to Andy. And I'm I'm dead quiet. I'm not like one of the when we go away trips and stuff like that with, with the boys. Like I sit myself. I don't get involved. I don't go on team nights out and stuff like that because it's not me. I'm I'm actually quite quiet when I'm on what like when I'm not at football. I like to keep I like my own company and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so these people are just get an opinion based on the way I am in a park, and it's just because I like to win. It's because I like I like being aggressive. I like I I just like it. I I, I like getting involved and stuff like that. Um, it's a good way for me to release kind of things at football, but and I'm a winner, um, and they, they don't like it, um, especially when I'm playing oh, what the opposing fans and stuff like that. So, 
but there's no need for any of the shouts that I need to get, no. do you know what I mean? Because you wouldn't get away with that if you were being racist or if you were being homophobic or whatever, do you know what I mean? And I think just what these people don't forget is that they say what they say and then leave and go home and that's the end. They've had a good, they've had a good day, they've shouted at a few players, they've made a few folk feel like shit. They leave, they feel good about that, but they don't understand what they've said hangs on people like me for a week, for two weeks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fearing, Absolutely. Um, uh, worrying what's going to be said next. And and did, and it, did, it, did it sit with you for a period of time? Did you feel quite vulnerable to comments like that or did you feel quite resilient? How did that work out? Sometimes I was kind of just like, I stuck two fingers up to them and I was kind of like, well, do you know what? Fuck you because that tells that says more about you than it does about me. Um. But then there's other times where I would let it get to me, maybe if I've not, if I'd not been feeling good. Um, and it, it did kind of sit on me for a while. And again, it, if you do that, which sometimes you can't help, it just drags you back into that dark place again. So these people don't understand that though. Do you know what I mean? And it's and if, if they ever need to deal with like that in their life, they'll know all about it. And yeah. I've, I've actually had people say stuff to me and have a go at me about my mental health. And two and three years down the line, they're, they're crippled with depression and anxiety and stuff like that and they're actually like do you know what I'm sorry because they're not having to do what they know know what it's like yeah do you know what I mean so and it's not for me to go like haha there you go like get it up you but because I would never wish it in my worst enemy it's the I still struggle to this day like even before I come on the night I'm just like coming in my wife and I'm like a wee bit anxious about this and feeling a wee bit but now I'm talking about it I'm fine but there's day, even last week now I just I hit a brick wall. I couldn't be bothered with MD. I just went to drive and I'd have a, a cry in a car and stuff like that. And yeah. that's it. It's um, I'm a, I'm like a kite. Honestly, I'm up and I'm down and I'm. There's never just a level kind of line with me. It's I'm either up or I'm down. And that was funny the, the day. My wife was like, I was in the house and when I see when I get dead high and stuff, like that, I'm dead like I'm I'm like one of the wains. Honestly, I just run about and I'm. She's like to me, "You're worse than the kids." Um. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm annoying all the kids I'm getting all them up to Hido and they're all shouting at me and like leave me alone and, and I think it's funny and stuff like that and then she's like she can push she's like you're going to crash and burn and I was like I think so <laughs> and then I've come back in and I'm like oh I'm fucked man I'm shattered and whatever else so she knows do you know what I mean so I think like sometimes it, don't get me wrong she doesn't take any of my, my shite she tells me how it is and I think that's what I need but um Nah, it's good. It's, as you say, you're, you're up and you're down and it's part and parcel of having these kind of problems and stuff. And it's just trying to find a, wee, a, a level playing field where you know you know your triggers, you know um, what's going to set you off, and be, but then you know what's the best way to try and deal with it. David, when you were um, talking there about <clears throat> the, the the abuse that you got, did it was it one of those things that, that happened a few times or was it fairly regular or... Is it something that's, that's just doesn't happen as much anymore? It did for a little while, or is it kind of continuous? Um, there's been a handful of times over the years where it's happened for both fans and players. Um, and then just recently, last, was it was it last season? All right, well, this season, but last year, um, I think it was just before I'd done my last uh, bit is it, with Chris on the, the STV. Um, I took six weeks off because of how I'd been feeling and stuff like that. But leading up to it, 
I've been saying I've not been feeling great in my voice. And then we played this game and uh, it was quite a rough kind of game and that boys were all getting stuck in each other second half we came out. And I, I, one of the boys started having a wee daughters and stuff like that, trying to wind me up. Um, which was fine, the banter was having a bit of banter and stuff like that. But then he's kind of tapped me, like, well, the balls at the park. He's like, oh, we all know your story, don't we? And I'm like, oh, what do you mean? But straight away, I'm thinking to myself, like, there's nothing else to know about me other than if you're talking about that, you're talking about my mental health stuff. Um, so I've started to kind of get my, my heckles up a bit and I'm like, so what do you mean? I was like, go say it then. And he's like, ah, nah, nah, you know what I mean? And kind of sniggling and stuff like that. So that was me, red mist. Five minutes later, I was sent off. Um, and then the gaffers come in and had a go at the end, the, the end of the game. And he's just like, I'm not doing it anywhere. I'm not putting up with it because I've been, I, I've been, this this year or this season anyway, it's, it's been quite tough for me. I have struggled a wee bit. Um, so I've been sent off a couple of times and, Booked about eleven times, um, so not one of my better seasons. But I have the last time he's like, I've had enough and whatever else. So, but I'm like Gaffer, like he never even knew it would happen. He just thought I'd been sent off because I've been been a dick. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. Um, so once I told him, he was kind of like, right, okay, we'll, we'll try and deal with it and whatever else. But is there any on? Like you know when you've raised that, and you know what you said there. Because I completely agree that you know if, if you know if you were a black player and someone had given you racist abuse, or you know if you were gay and someone had given you homophobic abuse, to be yeah. I think there'd be sac- sanctions for that. Has there ever been anything that's officially been done about it? No, no. I could that what what we were saying that like the gaffer was saying the next time that anything happens, like names will be getting named. Do you know what I mean? But I'm not the type of person that I'm going to go and, and it, it sounds silly because. I name them and shame them because it shouldn't have happened. It might stop it. But, again, just with the way I've been brought up and stuff, I'm not going to go and stick somebody into... Mm. Do you want to worry about like, the repercussions of what would happen if you if you were to say something and someone would get done for it? I, maybe that, but again, see, see, at the end of the day, as much as people think I'm an arse on the park and whatever else, I still don't want to see somebody losing their job playing football or whatever else because you're a stupid dickish comment I've made do you know what I mean we yeah. all say stuff we don't mean but do you know what see next time maybe just have a wee think to yourself before you open your mouth so that, that's the way I think it whereas, whereas I could be totally different and be like well do you know what I'm going to take this a whole road I'll make sure you never kick a ball for a, again T- type of thing do you know what I mean but that's, that, but that, that's just not me but that, when you're saying about does it still happen and things like that um, I it happens but they're trying to be smart about it now so they're saying it without really saying it yeah. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're, not, they're not saying, oh, like that's what's been said before, I watch your wrist, Jimmy Dick, or you're a psycho, you're this, you're that, blah, blah, blah. And they're saying, I well know your story. But for, for all they know, they could be, um, they know, they could be talking about anything, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so they're saying it without really saying it. And I, but I know, I know what they're meaning because there can't be any other possible thing that they're talking about, do you know what I mean? Um, and then when, when I get, when I get raw angry about it and she red mist and, my manager and that side to me, I just forget it. It's, but it's not as easy as that for me. I'm never going to, I'm never going to accept, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll say that to MD, I'm never going to accept MD saying anything like that to me and me just going, oh yeah, it's fine, I'm walking away. Especially not another player. Yeah, I no, just, I, I, I don't think you should have to. It's your place of work at the end of the day. If, if no, I'm going into work and someone was saying something like that to me, I'd be, 
you know, I'd say you went home to your mates and told them about it. They were like, that's completely unacceptable. So I don't think it should be any different because it's professional sport. From where you're you're at now, David, what sort of things do you do to kind of maintain your mental health and to, to, to keep yourself in a in a more positive place? I just try and, I don't know, I like, I've started trying to plan out a lot of things I do and because I've got my own business as well. So I've got my own gym and uh, it's really stressful itself um so usually I'm, I'm trying to do a million different things at once and it really makes me it makes me really anxious and if I, I i'll do one thing for a wee bit and then i'll jump on the next bit and so i never really follow through anything first time do you know what i mean yeah and it stresses me so what i've tried to do now is try to write a list of stuff down that um and just take it off as i go and, and try and plan my, my days out better and so i'm not out the house all day and because i when i get when i get tired and stuff like that, that's when i start to really struggle um so if I do too much, like I've done last week, I've been training every day for three weeks, like in the gym, like weights and stuff like that. Then I've been taking classes online um, and getting it running and stuff as well. So I've probably just been burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. I, try not, I try not to do that. I try and, trying to keep myself as... Uh, I'll, I'll set myself out daily tasks and weekly tasks as best as I can and, and just plan out my stuff and give myself a bit of time where... I'm doing nothing. I can just chill. Um, for a while there, I was going to my bed and stuff like that, and I was like downloading the the Headspace app and stuff like that, and I'd stick my earphones in when I go to bed, and it was really, really, it was really good. It was really calming me down and stuff like that, and I was getting a good, good sleep. Um, but again, it's just being consistent with that kind of stuff that I need to do because once I feel better, I stop it. Um, yeah. So, um, it's easy again, to like rest on your laurels, isn't it? When you when you kind of get back to where and even kale to stop doing the things that got you there. That's it, and that's what people don't understand. That you need to be consistent. Do you know what I mean? And um, and the things that you're doing. And I, I try and I, I've got like a wee Facebook group and stuff like that, that. I just made up, and since this COVID stuff's been kicking off, I've got like eight hundred members in it. So I, I talk about my mental health stuff and that, and I try and post some positive things during the day and things as well. But again, I still have my days where I don't go through with the stuff that I do. Do you know what I mean? But um, it's just trying to it's trying to keep trying to keep in that positive mindset and and keep doing the things you're doing. And as I say, for me, it's not burning the candle at both ends, which I can do easily because I'm just I never sit down. Um, but as I say, it's 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 just like um, we were saying earlier. It's you learn for everything you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and hopefully over a, a period of time, I'll get myself into a good routine where um, I'm having less days where I'm feeling um, a bit more down and stuff like that. And in terms of looking back at the, you know, the the, the, the period of time, as you say, sort of you know, early, mid-20s, late-20s, where from your own admission, you're in kind of a, a much darker position. Yeah. What what kind of advice would you give to somebody who, who was who's in that same boat, you know, someone who was listening who was in that, that same position? Just to... to... To seek advice and and speak to somebody, don't be scared. Like, that was the hardest thing for me was to, to very like first come out and speak about it. And for me, it was obviously like I went public with it, and it was actually through my manager at the time who told me to do it. Um, and it helped me. It did help me because the, the the stuff I got off the back it was was brilliant. Also, I got some bad comments, but it was nothing compared to the good stuff. But I think just people need to not care about what other people think and I know it's easier said than done 
Um, but see, at the end of the day, you need to look after number one. Mm. And because nobody else is going to do it for you, do you know what I mean? So if, if people are feeling the way I've felt, like, go and speak to somebody. Again, it might not be the first person you speak to. It might not work for you, but don't let it put you off. Don't let it put you down and think that, oh, I'm never going to get better. And, um, because that's what, that's what will happen. That's the questions that will go through their head and stuff like that. You just need to keep going until till you get and you find somebody that you click with or if you've got family members that you, that you want to speak to. And, because there's so many people out there that want to help when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, again, more so than the the negative stuff that you get. And you'll always get that, but there's so many people out there that want to help, that want to listen. Um, so first I would just say, like, don't be scared to speak about it. And see, once you've done that, it's a weight off your shoulders. And there's, there's so many charities that are opening now for mental health stuff. And, and you can get this like, free counselling or, or speaking to people a lot quicker than you can through the NHS. Um, and that's not to say that it's any better or it's any worse, but it's there. Yeah. Um, so I would urge people to kind of seek out that kind of stuff as well because there's so much it about. Um, and because, there's, again, there's, there's people that want to try and make a difference and help people in these situations. Um, so I, that's, that's probably what I would say to people that are struggling and where I was at then. Um, just be honest. Don't be scared to admit to yourself that you might there might be something wrong or something that's not... 100% in your head because it's fine everybody will go through something sometime in their life and again it's down to how people deal with it and then it doesn't matter what it is it's, it's personal to you so as long as you can just be honest with yourself and, and then go through and speak to somebody about it and that's the first thing that's the weight off your shoulders and from then things become a bit easier um, as long as again you continue to do these things um, that make you feel better You can run, you can hide, you can run, you can hide, you can hide.